I just read stories. I'm a tree sleet. I'm okay. I'm hanging in. And I hope you'll be hanging in with me and we all hang in together. And this is Lead Stories, as I said, and uh, we're back on track. Okay. I thought we'd talk today about getting some answers from you about the state of the nation right now. What is the state of the nation? As you know, there we're just on the cusp of nationwide elections and uh, people are going a little nuts as they are apt to do at a time like this. And uh, lots of things happening all at the same time. But if you come from a particular school of thought, it's, it's like inertia. While in, in the throes of all these things that are happening, what you want to happen and what you're thinking ought to happen isn't happening. It's not happening. And uh, today we want to talk about what that state of affairs is, what is, what is contributing to it, how are you coping as we get closer to election day, does it make a difference to you, uh, what are your concerns, are you hearing any candidates addressing your specific concerns, and how will it, for you, how will it inform your decision come election day? You know, it's amazing that for a nation so uh, far advanced in so many ways, when you get down to it, it becomes surprising, as it did for me. It, it was very, very surprising. I had always envisioned the United States, especially with regard to politics, being far more sophisticated, far more, uh, what's the word, multifaceted in its approach to politics, and that people would be so informed and so uh, ready to engage with the issues of the day. And I've learned over the years, just several decades now, to just take it easy. Because it isn't about informing people about issues. It isn't about wanting to know what the people want. It is about people who find themselves or who place themselves in the realms of power, deciding for the rest of the country what is important to them. And it will filter down to the people, <laughs> to the ordinary people who don't have a clue. They're, they're very, very uh, obsessed with mundane things like making a living, like trying to afford the cost of food, like trying to keep their families together, 
like trying to hold on to a job that doesn't really pay what it ought to pay to maintain the family. And so you have this dichotomy all the time. When people are talking about politics, they're talking about them. <laughs> they're talking about their, their concerns. They're not talking about the general concern. They don't have any real interest in what others are thinking and experiencing and, and are hoping for. That's not their concern. And we have ample evidence that we see for ourselves, and still we are in denial about it, we are forced, the vast majority of us are forced to get in line with what the power structure is thinking, what it wants to do, what it wants to accomplish. And their concerns we take on as our concerns. It's never the it's never the other way around where the people's concerns are at the crux of what happens in this country as a national priority, a national concern. So and then you get, you know, the media falling in line with all of that. They report the news from the point of view of the power elite what's concerning them, and they uh, report it in such a way as if to say, to say, it concerns you too, and you should be concerned. These are major issues. No, they're not. They're not major issues. If you go into communities and you ask the average person that you meet there, what is your concern? You would, you would have to take a seat because you will not be prepared for the analysis you will get. This is from ordinary people. They'll give you a political lesson right then and there. And you, you generally would start to, to wonder, we're living in two different worlds. The newspapers and media outlets and people running for office have their so-called issues. The expectation is their issues are yours as well, yours and mine. And they're not. They're not. It's been like this for decades now. Because the political situation mirrors our social situation in this country. And if ordinary people are sidelined or they just, you know, shoved to the side or they don't even matter, they don't even enter the conversation, well... That's, that's the politics of the day. <laughs> and that kind of reminds me 
of the abject lesson that we got not too long ago of of uh, Kanye West. He is so completely, what he is talking about has nothing to do with the American reality as defined by the media and given to us to uh, join the ranks. You know, study this and then you'll be up to snuff on what American politics is today. This is how we define it, and we will pay attention to you if you agree to define it this way as well. And it's funny because we've gone through this election year after election year after election year. What the people are saying uh, constitutes for them matters of urgency. The rest of America is not particularly interested in that. They have other priorities. So they're not having much patience listening to pleas around employment or adequate housing or schools that actually educate or jobs that pay well and are unionized. They're not discussing that. That is not part of their reality, their real existence from day to day. They are in a whole different bracket. And it seems never the twain will meet. So that's what we're going to talk about today. As you go through with the rest of us this little journey, we have a little further to go before election day. What is your reality? What is in your head as the reality that you live every day that you do not hear about being discussed in the general arena of politics? It's almost as if a special effort has to be made to, A, make people aware that you exist. <laughs> Never mind the fact that there are tens of millions of people who've been saying the same thing for a long time, but we just can't seem to work this thing out. Why is that? And why do we think that the situation as it exists is efficient, is sufficient, too, to cover all the bases? You know, this time around, this is what the issues are. Next election year, it will be something else. 888-874-4888 is the number to call. We're trying to get a sense from you today about your political reality, my political reality. 
Why is it so broadly different, so acutely different from what you would think is the political reality? Why is it that we're so far apart on these issues and subjects and we can't seem to be of one mind about it? Maybe you have some insight that you'd like to share today at 888-874-4888. Let's see what you have going in your head. What's, what's roaming around in your head? Gwen uh, from New York is on the line. Hello, Gwen. You're up. Hi, Trude. Uh, Hi. A little bit. I feel like a little bit of cobwebs are floating around in my head. But uh, <laughs> that, that's what. I, the nice thing about this uh, COVID thing is, after it's over, you like can't remember anything. So, if I forget a name or something, just uh, just hold on a minute. <laughs> the computer's a little jammed up. Um, I think that. <clears throat> where this election is different for me and I think many other people is I believe that COVID changed the playing field for everyone in this country. I think that confusion is the key word uh, for most, uh, most of the mindset in this nation and then apathy afterwards. I think people uh, really have had their values uh, put in question because of COVID, because of how, uh, it became a political issue instead of a medical issue. And you found yourself fighting with people that, you know, normally you're on the same page with about almost everything and, and, and viciously fighting too. So it, it really, for me, uh, put me in a place where I, I couldn't recognize a lot of the people that I usually um, identified with or, or many times have identified with. And then I think after that, I started to uh, clean my ears out and listen to other people that normally I would have just closed the door on and not even listened to what they have had to say. So in one way, it's been a teaching experience in that um, I've been uh, more open to listen to another point of view than I think I had been in the past. But I've also learned that there's a lot of polarization that occurs because uh, the, the machine wants it to occur. And that, in fact, we have more in common with each other than I, I think we, we believe we do. Uh, I mean, I swear to God, I know a guy who, who constantly challenges me and questions me, and he, and he says... Well, you know, he said, I don't see how you call yourself a Democrat. He said, I, he said, I'm a Republican, but he said, you sound, you, you, you sound like me. I said, yeah, on certain issues, I sound like you. When it comes to COVID, you and I are on the same page, but I, I don't think that, that COVID is a Democratic or a Republican issue. And yet that's, that's what we've been reduced to. So uh, shut your mouth if, if you want to talk about it. And it's, it's uh, for the most part, it's, it's just nothing but, um, a gigantic uh, uh, hole of no information available for, to, to, the most, to most people in this country when it comes to so many important things. So at the same time as we have this uh, lack of information, clear information out there for everybody to partake in, um, we have this huge wave, I, I believe, of violence going on. And it's senseless violence. I mean, i I got to tell you something. I've been sick, though. I've been staying home, and you know, I've been watching this trial of this guy in uh, Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, who, who mowed down the, 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 the people in, um, in the Christmas parade. And 
I totally couldn't understand it because, you know, when he put his suit on and he started speaking, he was pretty good. I mean, look, he wasn't a lawyer, but he was pretty uh, a pretty good speaker, and he seemed to be pretty well read, and he had no no explanation of why he did what he did. There, there, there was no explanation. I, I couldn't I couldn't understand it. It didn't even seem to be. It didn't seem to be racially motivated. It didn't seem to be anything motivated. It just it's just like it happened, and uh, and it was very sad to watch him. At the same time, watching this 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 TV network called Court Court TV, it's also disturbing to watch them because you know they don't allow you to have uh, to draw a neutral uh, an opinion yourself. The the opinions are already set up. The pundits are already brought in, and it gets to be really vicious and. You know, it, it, if we're going to watch a trial, you know, all that commentary should be left to the sidelines because people should be able to draw their own conclusion. And so they sort of wrecked the whole thing, the whole point of watching something in court. But I guess my feeling is that I feel uh, very uh, apathetic when it comes to the candidates. They seem to be less and less interesting, uh, more and more uh, ridiculous and, and stupid. Um I'm even I'm, I'm even upset that John Fetterman in Pennsylvania doesn't put a suit on when he goes to a debate. I haven't seen this guy oh. one time put just a jacket on. He looks like uh, he's uh, you know going to go out take and take a jog. I, I'm I'm shocked that Dr. Oz is is totally a lunatic. I had no idea that you know he was against uh, against uh, women's right to choose and that he was so conservative. I had no idea he was friends with Donald Trump. That was just like really I, I couldn't believe it. So um, the politics is very uninteresting at this point, but it's not supposed to be because, you know, no matter how much you tear your hair out about Joe Biden and other people, Joe Biden is a suit, and that's what he's being paid to be, just a suit. And all these other people, for the most part, are also just suits. They do not run anything. And the United States is not a powerful country anymore, not the way it used to be. We uh, an organization that wants to rule the world as one planet. They have an agenda, and and behind the scenes, they're doing all kinds of incredibly diabolical and clever and awful things to a world population who keeps getting stuck on whether or not they're a Democrat or Republican. Um, in the meantime, you know, they've got all kinds of uh, uh, stuff in the works with uh, artificial intelligence to get rid of everybody's job and, and the planet so we don't have jobs anymore. They're trying to get rid of uh, money as a currency. Uh, we, we've got this COVID thing, but we don't know what else is behind it. We don't know you know, how many more people are, are going to die from this. As a matter of fact, I just, this is way uh, off the topic, but I do want to just say this real fast that my young neighbor, who's only 19 and is Puerto Rican, was diagnosed with a collapsed lung the other day. And and the diagnose, diagnosis, uh, or what the doctor told him was, uh, you got this because you're a tall, uh, young Puerto Rican man. It happens a lot to your, your people. I thought, what the, what the, are you talking about now the kid had to get the shot in order to go to work so he had this shot and then a perfectly healthy young boy gets a collapsed lung after taking the shot anyway i'll go back to the politics and just say this it's plenty boring right now it's uh very um uninteresting on on, on many levels and yet the tidal wave behind it is very very scary because the things that are going on behind our politics and the only reason why our politics is I mean, 
even going on at this point is just to give you a, a, a charade that everything is okay, everything's normal, we're at a normal place. But we're not, because there's no such thing as, as people being able to run for office in any way unless they have something very, very corrupt under their belt, which will toss them out later on, or, or they toe the line of, of these people, these these politician makers we've got we've always had politician makers but they haven't been as high as people in the new world order and it's so easy to crush any candidate that comes out who's got a a good heart and a good mind and somebody that really wants to do something you can crush them in in five seconds you you just throw uh throw a few bombs in the new york times or in the new york post uh, or other you know newspapers and it's over for them and yet so many there there are so many people that have good ideas good thoughts um integrity, but they can't get up to the plate. And I know politics has always been a rough place, but I don't think it's ever been, um, it's not just even rough anymore. It's, it's, it's apathetic. And that's really sad that, that nobody really cares. Um, and nobody cares. Well, you, you got us started today. Thank you. And I thank Thanks. you. You gave us a, a scenic tour. <laughs> and, and finally you came back. Okay. But <laughs> thank you. Very interesting. interesting. Very interesting uh, commentary that you offered us today for our contemplation. Thank you. Ed from Queens, you're on the air. Hey, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Ed. What is your take on where we are politically as a nation? Do you get a sense that we are somehow, even though we may be, you know, we have different points of view that we are going in the same direction or what is it that you're feeling? Well, well there are two things you have to look at when it comes to national politics and uh, in the event of the internet and in the event of social media, it takes some effort because you've got the traditional news, quote unquote news outlets that present the, uh, the, the the manufactured idea that uh, so important uh, issues like a right to abortion, uh, you know, uh, the, the uh, racial tensions, the 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 influence of Trump and his acolytes. That's what's presented for mass consumption. But if you go on the Twitter feeds, if you go on the internet, if you look, I'm like I'm involved with the Poor People's Campaign. There is a whole underlying uh, populace that is interested in bread and butter issues, housing, uh, the the rate of inflation, the fact that you can go into a supermarket with a hundred dollars and come out with one grocery bag, the fact that rents in New York City have not have quadrupled during the pandemic and and, and continue to quadruple. A studio apartment in, in South Jamaica, Queens, goes for $2,500. You know, I mean, wow. these are things that affect people on the ground. And that's where, that's where my activity and that's where my interest lies. How am I going to make it from day to day? How am I going to, how, how, how is property taxes going to affect me as a homeowner? How, 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 how's, my, how's my cousin going to be able to pay her rent? These are the things that are immediate concerns to the people. That's why I'm not really too involved in national politics, because national politics doesn't address the immediate concerns of the average American citizen. As I say, most politics is local as as opposed to national. But do you sense that it is different 
in this election cycle as it, uh, compared to previous election cycles. What is different here in well, terms my, of my how opinion. people are, how this thing that we call the election season is resonating with people and it is producing a kind of impact that we are scary. We are very scary of a, of what we are feeling, but we can't say so. Well, there's, a, there's the, the calcification of wealth in this country, the, uh, the, the lack of, inter, the lack of intelligence, uh, the lack of the ability of the American people to have an intelligent dialogue about certain issues like race, like, uh, like, like gender, like saying the polarization of people. One bad thing about the social media and the internet, it allows, it, if you have a bad idea or an idea that isn't, that, that, that doesn't stand the test of scrutiny, you can be connected with people in, in, the, blink of, in the blink of an eye that share your view. And that and that gives you that gives the person a certain validity when he can find people of a like mind, and that's the shortcoming of the internet. There are a lot of bad ideas out there, but a bad idea uh, traditionally, once it's scrutinized, it can be eradicated. But now you can find people of like mind. You can create your own little bubble and live in the world and live in that world, and and that's not reality. We have people with their own versions of reality. And that's what's causing these violent clashes. And they're so ancillarily locked into their idea of what is correct. And so myopic and not open to any other uh, venue or any other discussion on just a, a, a civil level an intellectual level that we get this bifurcation and this polarization of the populace. And that's where we're at right now. I mean, people are reacting to things and 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 I believe that's part of why we get all these violent acts and all of these uh, uh acts of random uh, uh, aggression because people are are stifled, they're stunted, they don't know what to do. Our politicians are not true leaders. They they've left us in this vacuum of leadership, and people are frustrated. And one of the one of the things that ignorant people do when they're frustrated, they lash out. Where is it going? From your perspective, where is all of this? What is it leading to? Well, I can't predict the future, but I, it doesn't bode to be anywhere good. As I've said to you before, I believe America is in a decline, and I think this is one of the the the, uh, the symptoms of decline. You know, you've got angry people, you've got scared people, you've got people that just react to, to situations instead of trying to address situations and find uh, a beneficial solution, they just yell and scream and react. And, and, uh, and even our political leaders, I mean, you know, even look at a uh, perfect example, Mayor Eric Adams, you know, uh, you, you had a stabbing on a train that you were just riding on the other night. And then when people, then when you're confronted about it, you say, well, it's a perception. It's just perception. You know, there's not really that much violence. Only six or seven people get killed or get assaulted every, every, every two weeks. It's not that bad. You're not even making sense. And if you can say that and not be able to analyze what's coming out of your mouth, then, you know, I, I got no time for you because you're not making any sense. You're not even, you can't even carry off the farce. 
which was uh, a large part of the political scene for the past 50 years. Now they just say whatever comes out of their mouth. They just throw stuff up on the wall and see what sticks. So, I mean, like I said, my policy, politics, all politics is local. And just to keep a presence of mind, I try to involve myself with local issues, things that I can get my hands on and see some type of tangible results. But national politics... In the middle middle of all of this, though, are you sensing something of a breakthrough or no? No. Not on the national level. No. Wow. I don't I don't see any bright lights on a national political level. I mean even the one even the Ocasio Cortezes and the and, and, and the Stephanie Abrams, they, 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 they are false. They change their positions too quickly to suit the political agenda. The fight for fifteen. They could have forced uh, they could have forced Nancy Pelosi to do something in the beginning and they refused to hold their votes. They don't use the political power that they have or that the people have parted upon them beneficially or efficiently. They just flout it, and, and, and everything is all superficial gestures, wearing T-shirts and jackets and standing, making a presentation, but it's all BS. I mean, you know, where's your meat and potatoes? Where, where, where's your stand? Politics is the art of compromise, but you've got to have some party platforms to stand on before you can compromise. You can't come to the table ready to acquiesce. The hand's got to be forced. Power concedes nothing without a demand. And we got people who don't know how, who, who either don't realize their political power or don't understand how to apply it. Wow. This is quite a teaching today. We should have had this every week for the last 10 years. Thank you, Ed, for giving us a little lesson today. Thank you. All right. Brother David from Brooklyn is is on the line. Uh, Thank you very much. Um, This discussion does certain things to me. And number one thing that it does is make me wonder why people in general throughout the country, the masses of people, don't understand that this country was never created to benefit the mass of people who live here. From the beginning, it was created to benefit the elite, the ruling class who uh, took the place of the uh, monarchy, and uh, that's what we have today. So we're in a situation where the people are being played, and those who rule, those who rule and they're there, uh, they've got the people just where they want to have them. This is not designed to do what is best for the masses of people who live here. It is a country where the ruling class has designed a system that is very effective and divide and rule all the, the masses of people who create the wealth by work as employees and uh, have them at each other's throat. And that is what exactly we have right today that's in full force. 
So uh, whether you're talking about the Congress or the legislative branch, the president, or so forth, and the courts, every one of those divisions are in the hands of the masses, that small group of people under 1% of the population that run the country. So if you have some expectation that uh, people sitting in Congress, uh, uh, Ms. Cortez and all the rest of them, that they're going to take some brave move to do something and uh, make uh, the leaders of the Senate and Congress come around to doing what is good for the people, you have another guest coming. Because the job of those who rule is to play the people and pack their pockets with the wealth that they have. Uh, The people make the wealth by their work, and those who rule want to keep it that way. They run the corporations, and they control just about everything. So their job is not to make it good for the people, uh, but to just control the people and prevent rebellion. So whatever is done is done for one thing. Keep the masses from rebellion. Keep them mixed up. Keep them fighting. Oh, where did Brother David go? Like his signal cut out the trees. Okay. Hang in there, brother David. We we lost you there for a minute. Oh yes, yes. Uh, There you are. There you are. So what I'm saying is, uh, most of the people don't understand that the game the ruling class is playing, and that's the problem we have. They they go along with this uh, one party system and. Tell people you can go Democrat Party or Republican Party, which is part of the ruling class own party. The people don't own those parties. The ruling class own those parties. So just the idea that uh, you're just going to run down and uh, pull a lever or, uh, for uh, Republican or Democrat you don't understand the nature of how this country is created, and it's reached a fantastic level now where it can control the people in all areas. You know, all the social benefits that they want uh, can keep that low and make more profit themselves. It can start wars and military-industrial complexes, salivating to get into a new war to make some more money. The medical industrial complex is at its height, making these vaccines that are, uh, they don't care if they're killing people or uh, wounding people or injuring people. And they want one thing is to get more, more, more money for themselves at the expense of the people. And they don't care anything about your empty shopping bag with $100 worth of food in there, and it's a little bag. So uh, people have to get it. And that is the hardest thing in the world to explain to people 
when I'm saying that they're not running anything. This is never, never was set up. Never was set up. Uh, if, if you wanted democracy, you wouldn't set up something like the Senate. <laughs> if you wanted democracy, you wouldn't be involved in, in imperialism all over the world. Uh, this is not about democracy. It is about plutocracy for the rich and powerful to control, and they don't care whether those vaccines kill you or not. That's the way they do, because they want one thing, and that is to keep the people under control, and they seem to be doing it very well. Just control the people and make the money. So that's where we have to start. And first of all, understanding the system that we are in. Is it going to change uh, from what it is now? It is working perfectly, and you're right about that. I agree. It is doing, the system is doing its job perfectly. Is there Absolutely. any reason to hope that that will change pretty soon? Well, and hope uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't do it. People have to work on their own because don't forget the ruling class controls all the communications just about, just about. They don't control PRN, but the point is they are very good at controlling the information. So people do not have adequate information about what's going on. So you, the only way you're going to get it is to study on your own and go to those few sources that are still available before they cut them out. And you see that they're cutting out information all the time. They're doing censorship and keeping people from knowing, uh, like, the things that uh, Gary teaches all the time. You don't see that in the, in the newspapers. They wouldn't dare put that in there, uh, television or radio. and what. So it's a matter of studying on your own. You've got to study on your own if you're going to find out something, and that is what people usually don't do. And uh, to just think that things will get so bad and people will rebel is hard because when the ruling class sees that people are about to rebel, uh, they do just what I said before. They throw out the bones. And that's all they do, throw out the bones. And when the time comes, they collect the bones back. Take them back. So people have to understand the game, the wonderful, smart game that the ruling class runs so well all over the country and ex trying to extend it all over the world. This idea about our democracy, this was never, ever, ever, ever attended, uh, intended to be a democracy for the benefit of the masses of people who live here, and people have to get it. Thank you, Brother David. Thank you so much for your teaching and for putting it in such a way 
that everybody could, nobody could say they, they're confused <laughs> about what you're saying. Uh, you say quite well, and thank you so much for contributing today. And thank you for all the good work you do. Well, we try. We give it a good try. Thank you. Patricia from Harlem, you're on the air. Uh, Good afternoon, you, Trace, and good afternoon to the PRN family. Um, Good afternoon. (laughs) I hope all is well with you and everyone uh, listening in the listening audience. I don't know who said this, but most Americans don't read, so they're misinformed, they're, they're uninformed, and when they do read or listen to the mainstream media, they're misinformed. Something interesting happened uh, this particular election cycle. Normally, I am really annoyed because my mailbox is literally just stuffed with all of these mailings from candidates, usually right before the election. But something interesting has happened this year. I don't know about anyone else listening, but I'm in New York. I have not received not one piece of election material from any of the candidates who are running for elected office. And here in New York, we have the governor, we have the attorney general, um, we have the, the, I think Chuck Sumer is Senate. Um, I don't know if Gillibrand is up for election, but let's just take those three top offices. I haven't received not one mailing from anybody. And I think the point of the moral of this story is that when you look at New York, New York supposedly uh, Democrats outnumber Republicans, I think, by two to one. So the Democrat, the Democratic candidates, I think that they have uh, the state locked up. But when you look at the breakdown uh, by race in terms of who's supporting the candidates, the Republican candidate Zeldin, he has the overwhelming support by whites, overwhelming support by Hispanics, and overwhelming support by independents. But the only racial category that Kathy Hochul seems to have are African-Americans. And yet still, she doesn't think that she has to go to not one African-American and say, I need your vote. I want your vote, and this is what you're going to do for me. Now, that's the governor of the state. That's the governor of the state. Now, she's running for her first reelection because she assumed the position by virtue of the previous governor, who was Mario Cuomo, who resigned in disgrace. So she really, she's finishing out. Um, I'm sorry, Andrew well, Cuomo. Chris. Same oh. difference. Same difference. She's yes. been out in the Cuomo's term, and so this is her first elected term that she's running for. But, you know, black people don't understand that, they, that none of these candidates, even though they are the overwhelming uh, uh, constituent base that the Democrats have, they could care less about them. When you look at, just even take housing, for example, there were two referendums that came up recently in the this, in this, in this city of New York, one in one of the boroughs uh, called the Bronx, and, that, and then the, there's one in, currently in Queens. And usually what happens at the city council when housing uh, resolutions come up for referendum, usually the city council will vote the way the local elected politician in that dis- that represents that district votes. And so what's happening now is that originally in the Bronx, the elected official opposed 
this uh, development by development by this housing uh, developer and then she changed her vote and supported it and so of course right now her constituents in the Bronx are really upset but the same thing is happening in Queens and what's happening now in Queens is that the local elected official in Queens is saying look we understand the landscape developers want to develop and they want to make as much money as they can but look it, it, it can't always go in the direction of the developer at the expense of the, her constituents. So the developer wants to set aside 40% of apartments to be affordable. And she's saying raise the cap to 55. So what do you think is happening now? The borough president of Manhattan and the mayor of Manhattan, I mean the mayor of the city, Eric Adams, is saying, well, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you falling in line? With us, the party, the elected party leadership, the mayor and the borough president of Queens. Why are you being an outlier? The point is, even when you have people who really want to go and advocate for the public, for the people, for the people that they represent, they are, they are alienated, they are stigmatized. They are told that they're not being loyal. I mean, let's face it, Nancy Pelosi has literally shut down the progressive wing of the party. And it looks as though in New York City, they're trying to do the same. So, you know, I don't know what black people are looking at. They are not, they have not even gotten an invitation by the elected, local elected leadership who wants to remain in power. They haven't even had the respect to reach out to them with an invitation, i.e. a mailing in their mailbox. Well, it goes back to what you were saying. It goes back to what Brother David was saying. People do not register their disaffection in a way that says, you will respect me or you will regret it. We so busy being nice and polite and cooperative. We, we, we don't take politics seriously. And you know, every other community does. And I wouldn't care if elected officials got a little bit of something in their pocket as long as you delivered for me, which is what other constituents expect. You want to pocket? You want to? You know? You want to lie in your pocket? Fine. Just deliver for me first. <laughs> so, where does that leave you this election, this coming election day? Oh, what are you I'm very likely clear. to do? I'm, I'm very clear about what I'm doing. My response to Kathy Hochul, who's running for governor, is going to be the same response that Hillary Clinton get. God, you ain't getting my vote. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, the top of the ticket is going to be very unhappy with me. There's some local races where the people are really, really good, but the top of the ticket, they can forget it. Again, black people don't understand that they don't care one hoots about whether they are homeless, which is what we're seeing more and more and more in New York. They don't understand that this migrant situation is created by the United States, as i.e., as a matter of fact, you look at what Joe Biden did 
with the with the with the immigrants coming from Venezuela talking about you know the popular narrative is that they're running away from a repressive regime, but most Americans don't understand that that was created by the U.S. when we interfered in Venezuelan politics. True. Same thing True. as when we interfered in Cuban politics. But we could attack the Venezuelans because there's not a Venezuelan contingent in the U.S. the way there is in Cuba. So, that, so he could he could he could target the Venezuelans and say, "Ah, we'll turn them back because they won't be an outcry against Venezuelans because there's not enough Venezuelan community in the U.S. to 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 mount an outcry." I mean, I, I, I you know I just. All I can do is shake my head at how uninformed, uh, uh, but again, I started out my, 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 my diatribe, I'm so sorry, by saying Americans don't read, so they're uninformed, and when they listen to media, uh, the media, they're uninformed, they're misinformed. Thank you very much, Patricia. It's always an education when you speak. Thank you. Thank you. We hear next, and probably last today, from Marcus from Wisconsin. Hello, Marcus. Thank you so very much, Utrice. How are you today? I'm okay. How are you? I'm very. I'm. I'm. I'm excellent. Thank you. I'm so very glad to hear that you are well. Um, Thank you. In, in order to uh, add to the excellent discussion today, I'm afraid I have to uh, uh, take issue with a couple of the more minor points that were made in uh, some previous arguments to get to what I believe is the point of, of all of this. Um, first, I would point out that uh, back in July, it, it went without notice. Um, there was a study released, a poll, from the University of Chicago's Institute of Politics just before Independence Day. And the poll showed that 28% of voters believe, and this these are the actual words they used. More than one in four Americans have so much disdain for the government that they believe it may be necessary, quote, at some point soon for citizens to take up arms against the government, including one in three Republicans, one in three independents, and one in five Democrats. It said, quote, the majority of Americans also said the government is, quote, corrupt and rigged against everyday people like me. Again, two thirds of Republicans and independents, about half of Democrats. So I have to take issue with the constant refrain that people are somehow ignorant or uninformed of what the situation is. They know People know. They know in large numbers. What I just pointed out to you is easily a majority of the electorate knows and thinks that at some point soon they will have to take up arms against the government. So the problem is not being uninformed. The problem is cowardice. The problem is not ignorance. 
it's cowardice. We saw through the COVID pandemic millions of Americans who knew it was wrong to throw people out of work, to force injections on people. They're doing it now to children. They know it's wrong. They're doing it because they're cowards. These are your neighbors and friends. This is this is all of us. The problem is ours. And there are three options you have when you are in a situation like this. Uh, in order to escape your wretched situation. The first two are you can drink yourself or drug yourself into insensibility, or you can fill up the churches and hope some supernatural power will intervene. And the third is social revolution. But playing politics is a dead end. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. The vast majority of the eligible electorate knows it. It's provable. Polls show this over and over and over. It's not that they're ignorant. It's that they are cowards. They have to pretend to go along with it out of cowardice. Now, revolutions are not improvised. They're, it's, it, they don't take place because I want one or because somebody else wants one. They come through the force of circumstances. So I, I dug up this quote from the great Henry Campbell Black. Uh, he was a, a, a Supreme Court justice and a constitutional law expert. He wrote this in 1910. See if this sounds familiar. The right of revolution is the inherent right of a people to cast out their rulers, change their policy, or effect radical reforms in their system of government or institutions by force or a general uprising when the legal and constitutional methods of making such changes have proved inadequate, or are so obstructed as to be unavailable. If that isn't our present situation, I would I defy you to find me somebody that can destri- describe it better than that. Now, Marcus, here's what I want to, to do. I hate to interrupt, sure, but I don't want to miss out on anything else you have to say to add to what you started today. So could you be with us again tomorrow? I and certainly start will us off? do my very best uh, to do so. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. We can't afford to miss it. We can't afford to miss it. Thank you so much. And thank you all for calling in and sharing substantive thought with us. And we meet up again tomorrow and continue. This has been a great, great conversation. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye.